freeze. They are. They are. Cool. Now, this morning, there are some sermon notes that go with this morning's message. Um, so if you haven't got any sermon notes, if you could put your hand up, our faithful hosts will uh, get those into your hands as soon as they can. down the front as well. Thanks, Paul. Paul, there's Christiane over there. Great. Are you ready for the word this morning? I encourage you to lean in. I encourage you to lean in into all that God has for you, wants to declare to you, wants to speak into your life, open yourself up to the presence of the Holy Spirit even more, and I uh, guarantee you, you will go out different than how you came in. I want to go out different than how I came in. I want to go out with my face shining with the glory of God as though I had been on a mountain speaking face to face with my King and my God. I want my face to shine. I want people to see that I've been with Jesus. I want there to be a tangible difference in my life and I am very, very nervous. (laughs) My hands are sweating this morning. You are in for a good time. You are in for an enlightening time. You are in for a transforming time. Heavenly Father, you say in your word in Acts chapter 4 verses 29 through 31, the prayer that was prayed by your apostles says, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. And that's what we pray this morning. I pray. Give me great boldness in preaching your word, Lord. I pray, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I pray that as a result of us being in your presence and under the anointing of your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, that the meeting place in which we are now shakes. That you shake us to our core, Lord with who you are and what you can do. I pray that this place would be so filled with your Holy Spirit that we would go out completely different, that there would be tongues of fire resting above us, Lord God, that we would see New Testament signs and wonders, new covenant signs and wonders, because we have met with you, because we dare to believe your word this morning. So I pray, Holy Spirit, take a hold of uh, my words, this message, And Lord, give me boldness as I declare your word over your people in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. Amen. You said Amen. This is your fault. 
We are uh, going on a journey, we're currently on a journey of uh, encountering the presence of God. I believe that there is something amazing about the presence of God. I believe that there is something that changes not only people, it changes communities, it changes nations. The presence of God does that. The presence of God does that. And I am in hot pursuit of the presence of God. One of the things that I've been praying lately, and you saw it, I guess, during the prayer ministry time is that I, I actually want to up the level and I want to believe what the Word of God says. I want to believe that those things that I see written in the Word of God, the promises of God, what God says will happen when a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, that those things happen. I'm tired of powerless living. I'm tired of talking about it and not seeing it. I've come to a point in my life where I'm marking a line in the sand. I'm saying, that's how far I've got this far. Maybe on my own merits. Maybe on my own charisma. Maybe on my own talents. Maybe on my own strength. But from this point forward, Lord God, I'm not moving unless you move first. I'm not moving unless you go ahead of me. And to do that, we need the presence of God. So this morning, I want you to lean in. I want a passion and the hunger for the presence of God that I'm carrying right now to, to infect you, and I make no apology for it. You are going to start to wake up in the middle of the night. Why? Because I do. If I'm praying for you, I want you to be praying for me. Okay? I want us to, to have a passion and a hunger for the presence of God. I want us to see the, the miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles that it talks about in the Bible happening in my life. I want it to happen in your life too. I believe that this community will die unless we give it a demonstration of the love and the grace of God, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, that we meet people and it's not just meeting people, it's a divine encounter. It's an opportunity for God to move through us as we touch people in our community and we can see transformation come to our community. I believe that's the only way we're going to win our community is by being a demonstration of who Jesus is. I have actually, I believe what God says. I believe what Jesus says. He says that if you believe me, if you have faith in me, then the things that I have done, you will do and even greater. That's my prayer. Now, when I read a passage where it says, preaching your word with great boldness and stretching out your hand for healing, miraculous signs and wonders and stuff like that, I know that Jesus did that. So I'm now expecting to do the same. And if I look like an idiot, I'll look like an idiot. But I'm going to be an idiot for Jesus. I'm, I'm going to step out. I've, I've, I've done with it. I've, I've had it. Either this is, is, is God or it's not. Either he's real or he's not. But I'm not going to base my opinion on my experience. I'm going to base my opinion on what the Word of God says. Too often we see what God's not doing and we get ticked off with God. I don't think God's the problem. I don't think God's the problem. I don't think God's the problem. You can tell when you've gone too far on your first point because your screen goes blank. <laughs> this series that, that I'm going to be talking about, that's just the intro. We've got a little bit of time. 
This series is based on uh, a series of messages that Frank Damasio at a City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon has put together. Uh, I've used it as, as a, a rough framework, but I can tell you, God's put some stuff in my heart that you're about to get blasted with. The question I want to ask us this morning is, are you happy with your spiritual life? Are you happy with your spiritual life? Are you happy with the way that your spiritual relationship with God is being expressed? Because I, I, I want to tell you, I'm not. Not about yours, but about mine. Yours is your own business. If you're not happy, you've got to do something about it. I'm not happy, I'm doing something about it. I, I've, I've kicked myself in the backside. I said, Gary, you've got to wake up. Are you happy with the way that your spiritual life is being expressed right now? I'm not happy because I'm not seeing people saved. I'm not seeing people healed. I'm not seeing people set free. I'm not seeing people radically infected with a hunger and a passion for the presence of God. You know, people say that you actually get what you go for in God. You actually get what you go for. So if, you, if you're going for something in God, I believe God honors faith. Well, it's, that's that's a, a, like a, a way of expressing what faith is. It's, it's, it's actually taking a hold of the word of God and, and then saying, you know what? I'm not happy until I start to see this manifest in my world. See, I believe that God wants us to push into his presence and live our entire lives out from that place. That's why we've said now as a church that we are going to encounter God and then we are becoming passionate followers of Jesus. But we're not happy to leave it there. This is not a bless me club. This is not a church that just believes that it's all about me, about getting spiritual blessings for myself, about being a hoarder of the things and the blessing and the favor of God for myself. I don't want to just follow God for myself. See, we, we want to take it a step further. We want to equip people to help others encounter him as well. We want to be a channel through which God can use us and touch the people in our world through us. God will use you if, <coughs> if you are available, if we are available. If we're standing in the gap and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Too many of us are saying, Lord, here am I, send him. See, it's more than a doctrine to be held. It's actually a lifestyle to be lived. Making a place to encounter God's empowering presence needs to be our first passion. We must become people who know how to make a place for the presence of God. It must become our first passion. When we have a passion for God, we're not afraid to talk about him. When we've got a fire burning in our belly for the things of God, we're not frightened to talk about him. We're not frightened to pray for people. We're not frightened to spend time with him. We make church, our prayer meetings, our connect group. We make those things a priority in our lives. In fact, we'll shift things to make sure that we can get to those things because there's a fire in our belly that has gripped a hold of us and it compels us to do those things and make those things happen. You know, it's, 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 it's where we uh, are starting to step out and uh, to, to do things. We, we believe stuff. We, we've got a passion for reading our Bible. We, we love to journal or we love to underline stuff in our Bible. We, we, we really get into you know, worship and praise in our church. We talk about what, happened, what God does in, in our church. We, we talk about those things when we've got a fire in our belly for those things. 
However, when our passion for the presence of God dwindles or it even dies, it creates within us a longing that we try to satisfy through other means, through other activities, through other pursuits in our life. We try to replace what only God can do in our lives through other things. Church doesn't really matter then. The Bible becomes outdated and irrelevant. We base our, uh, our, our, our Christian walk Upon our experience, not what the Word of God says or declares or decrees over our lives. Fellowship becomes a pub crawl and we look at what God didn't do in our lives and we make it an experience, like an excuse not to, to pursue God anymore. Well, I prayed once, but nothing happened, so we don't pray anymore. I read the Bible and never have I ever seen those things happen in my world, uh, so I'm giving up on the Bible. You know, uh, my church, it's just like it's just full of unloving people. We have all these excuses. We find all these reasons. When there's no passion, when there's no fire. The shallowness of our inner experience and the emptiness of our prayer and our worship should grip us. It should grip us. And launch us into a deeper search for the presence of God in our daily lives. If we find ourselves at the the start of a, a Sunday morning thinking... Oh, I've got to go to church. No, you don't got to go to church. You get to go to church. I know of countries where it is illegal and the punishment is death for Christians. We have the honor and the privilege of getting to go to church. I get to go to church. It's a, it's a reflection of an inner world when we have to do this, I have to pray, I have to give, I have to love my neighbor. I get to. It's a challenge when you're in conflict or tension with someone. And on one hand, the Bible says, I've got to love my enemies, I've got to pray for them. I've got to bless them. In fact, if Paul wants this lilac shirt, I've got to give it to him. And everyone said? Trust me, you don't want to see this. I believe that this message is designed to help us find a place in encountering the presence of God. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, that I felt this during the prayer thing this morning. That in, in Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 1, where we talked about like the horses are bigger and the enemies bigger than the things that we have for ourselves, I felt God say to me, you're looking at the shadow. Have you ever seen shadows, how big they are? Like, you know... You, as a kid, you're walking along and you're trying to get to the top of your head as you're stepping out. Like, did you play that? Did you play that game? Or am I the only one? I'm the only one. All right. But the shadows look so much bigger than the actual person themselves. 
depending on where the sun is, you could be really small, but you could be really big too. And I believe that the, the enemy is trying to position himself in such a way that he's enlarged himself to try and intimidate you. And you need to know that the sun backs you. Thus endeth the message today, I think. Really, there's just really nothing more to say, really, is there? 1 Chronicles 15 verses 1 to 3 says, listen to this. This is what I love about David. David built houses for himself in the city of David. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And David gathered all of Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. See, David lived for the presence of God. He prepared for it. He he worked towards it. More important, he led others to the presence of God as well. I love David's heart. And it's a great way that we can start to think about our lives seven days a week. Where we start to think about, I'm going to prepare for the presence of God today. I'm going to prepare this vessel as a place for the presence of God. I'm going to build something for God as a result of my life. But more than that, I'm actually going to bring others into the presence of God as well. How do I do that? You just need to show up. You just Because God's within you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Wherever you go, the presence of God is. We need to understand that this is what God is doing in, in this day. and This is how he's going to, to reach our world. It's as we realize who we are carriers of. Psalm 84 verse 10 out of the Passion Translation says, For just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. He says this, he says this, I'd rather stand at the threshold in front of the gate beautiful, ready to go in and worship my God, than to do everything else that the world might offer. That last bit was my paraphrased version. But there's this area where the writer of this this particular psalm is saying, I know what the world can offer, and all that will satisfy me is even if I just get to stand at the door. And to see people going in, downcast, sick, diseased, hurt, broken, and come out healed and whole and fully restored. Being carriers of the presence of God. Where I can just stand at the door and just hear, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Feeling the pulse of the presence of God. Hearing the sound of angels' wings. Feeling the the brush of air as angelic beings are glimpsed in the glory cloud of God. Catching a glimpse of His presence. 
and hearing him say, come on, come in, come in, come in, come in. There's something about an encounter with the presence of God that marks us forever. It changes us forever. There have been times in our lives, collectively, I'm sure, where we have lived for the presence of God. Where we prepared to go into his presence. I wasn't satisfied just to go to get something for myself. I, Lord, would you give me a word? Would you give me an encouragement? Would you give me a, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom? Would you give me a prophetic word for someone in church today? In, in my workplace, would you give me a word of wisdom? Would you give me a word of knowledge? Would you give me, Lord, the, the, let me operate in the gifts of healing, Lord God, as I go to my workplace? Father, would you give me the ability to reach out in boldness and to heal the sick and to raise the dead, Lord? Would you give me the ability to walk into my, my school or my university and, and, and be a representation of who you are, that I bring in the very presence of God wherever I go. I want to prepare myself for that. I want to say, I'm not yearning for the days of old where it was bedlam. Okay, you, you had people falling out under the power of God and stuff like that. Because okay? I, I don't want to do what God has done. I want to do the new thing that God is doing. Because I actually believe that it's better than the last. I believe that what God can do now and in the future is so much greater than what he's done in the past. St. Teresa of Avila said this, Close your eyes and follow your breath to the still place that leads to the invisible path that leads you home. No one else controls access to this perfect place. Give yourself your own unconditional permission to go there. This morning, from this moment forward, we need to give ourselves unconditional permission to go into and make a place for encountering the very presence of God. Because I believe that God wants to manifest his presence to us more than we ever believe possible. It's my conviction that God wants to reveal himself to people so that they can catch a, a glimpse of his goodness. They can feel his love tangibly upon their own heart and upon their own spirit and upon their own mind. I believe God wants to do that more than we give him credit for. I believe God wants to manifest his presence into our world. The purpose of God manifesting his presence is like this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, he says. In Jeremiah 33 verse 3 it says, Call to me and I'll answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never imagine on your own. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, we can see it. In Corinthians, where he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Then he says in the very next 
very next verse. But he's revealed it to us by his spirit. God wants us to encounter him, to commune with, to talk with, with him. He wants to confirm his word to us, his people. He wants to inspire people to do great and mighty things. He wants his people to be called to action. He wants to, to comfort and heal and restore his people. He wants to inspire courage and faith and new vision for our lives. That we are carriers of the presence of God. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 in the Message Bible says, When you come looking for me, you'll find me. He's not playing a heavenly game of hide and seek. If we're serious about going after God, he will reveal himself to us. He says, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else. What do we want more than anything else? His presence. Acts chapter 17, verse 27 out of the Passion Translation. This is not in your notes. You'll need to write this passage out in full, longhand. No. Acts 17, verse 27 says this. For he has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. He is the God who is easy to discover. He, you, yep, yep, yep. I've got so much on the inside I want to say right now. But my mouth would never keep up with my brain. And I know that some of you are saying, really? Serious? That in its sign is a sign and a wonder. He is the God who is easy to discover. He is the God who is easy to discover. He wants us to find him. To seek him and to find him. In fact, Luke says... He is the God who is easy to discover. I want to discover him. We need that in our lives. Our community needs us to discover God. Our our community needs us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the word of God, filled with a fire and a passion for God. We get to talk to our father directly. God isn't some future goal or a past memory, but he's a right this second person and presence. Simplicity and humility count big time with God. He's real, he's personal, he's abiding, he's everlasting. Nothing can, can prevent us from conversing with God. Nothing. Peter steps out of a boat because Jesus calls him out. He's walking on water, but then he looks at the waves and he starts to sink and he says, Jesus, and Jesus is there instantly. God never stops, never goes off duties, never out to lunch or out to business. The only one we have to please is God. Galatians 2.20 
Sharon said it during communion. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we, how do we see that happen in our, in our world? Well, we've got to be born again. We've got to be born again. There's some scriptures in your notes that testify to that. We've got to ask ourselves, has Jesus taken up residence in our lives? With the Holy Spirit speaking to us and revealing things to us. Is God's power and presence driving our lives? Or is there another force at work? Acts 17.28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. So let me ask you this question this morning. In your life, who is really calling the shots? Who is really calling the shots in our life? Who is really calling the shots? We recently asked a group of people in the church to complete a survey for the NCD survey thing. It's the Natural Church Development Survey. To take the temperature and the health and the growth of Infused Church. Christian Schwartz is the author of the materials. He's a researcher who did extensive study on what makes churches grow and healthy. He measured the natural characteristics that cause church growth. And after researching over 60,000 churches on six continents, he zeroed in on eight characteristics that emerged as both significant to both spiritual and numerical growth. Those eight things were empowering leadership, gift-orientated ministry, passionate spirituality, functional structures, inspiring worship services, holistic small groups, need-orientated evangelism and loving relationships. And the one I want to zero in on this morning is passionate spirituality. What is passionate spirituality? I'm glad you asked. It can be defined as faith lived out of a love relationship with Jesus Christ by practicing spiritual disciplines. Let me say that again. Passionate spiritually can be defined as faith lived out of a love relationship with Jesus Christ by practicing spiritual disciplines. Are we happy with the way that our spiritual relationship with God is being expressed? Are we happy where we are with and in God right now? When was the last time we were passionate about our love relationship with Jesus? Are we practicing spiritual disciplines? If we are a Christian and I was to ask the question, how many of us think that prayer is important? How many would we, how many think prayer is important? Yeah, I think most of us, the majority would, wouldn't we? If I was to ask the question, how many of us pray, would there be as many hands that went up? And I'm not asking for a show of hands this morning because I don't want to embarrass people. Do we pray? Passionate spirituality is a vital ingredient to the health of any church. Can we imagine any church without passionate spirituality? Now, I want to say that passionate spirituality, okay, 
is not all uh, song and dance. It's not all about uh, being an extrovert. Because you can be passionate in your spirituality in solitude and silence. It's not about a style. It's about something that's lived from the inside out. It's about how you are shaped that gives you the passionate spirituality. You can be just as in love with God sitting in silence and solitude. You can be passionate in your spirituality because the way that you express your spirituality is through your service. You love serving and that's, that's how you express the passion and the spirituality that you have because you've catched a glimpse, you've caught a glimpse, catched a glimpse, you've caught a glimpse of something of God that you see that how you express that comes from the inside out. It's not about a style. It's about what's on the inside and how you're shaped and how you're gifted that you outwork that spirituality. So please, when I talk about passionate spirituality, don't think that I'm just talking about song, dance, kicking your heels up, having a real good old time in God, rolling on the floor, doing the holy roller thing. If that's how you're bent, great, go for it. But it's not about that. It's about how are you truly shaped, that you can express your spirituality to God with a passion that is driven by having glimpsed something of his presence. Does that make sense? I hope that that liberates people this morning. I'm not just simply talking about uh, like uh, uh, the external stuff. I'm talking about how this outworks. So how do we know if a church has passionate spirituality? Well, a church that's passionate has a passionate spirituality is on fire for God. It's infectious. Anyone can catch it. Church decisions are made by the passion that they have for God. Their passionate spirituality, it's like discovering energy in new relationships, new expressions of God, finding out who God is. Passionate spirituality will produce the character of Christ. Passionate spirituality results in love and acts of service. So if I was to ask the same question, if that's what happens when a church has passionate spirituality, the same answers would apply to a person that has a passionate spirituality. Now, I know that the people are the church and the whole thing, but I'm talking about like a collective corporate stuff like that, so write your letters later. Okay, so I'm just simply saying that that's... You understand what I'm saying? Okay. The Bible actually gives us plenty of examples of passionate spirituality. Noah was passionate for over 100 years building an ark. Abraham was so passionate in his, in his relationship and his, his, his love towards God, he was about to slaughter Isaac. A man named Saul was so aggressive in his relationship with God until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it changed his approach to outworking the passion that he had. Praise God. Stephen was so passionate to the point of death and each disciple that was martyred as well had a passion for God. Jesus had a passion. If you were to find a mirror right now, you would see his passion. If we could get a mirror and shine it into our community, 
we could show them who Jesus is passionate about. Jesus had a mission, a mandate to reach the people in the world. Matthew 121 says that. How much more passion do you need to have than when you're willing to lay down your life for others? Passionate spirituality is produced by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How would we like to be so filled with the person of the Holy Spirit that becomes infectious, infectious, contagious, and like a chain reaction in God? Someone said this once. Revival is like the weather. Everyone talks about it, but no one does anything about it. One Corinthians four twenty says that says this for the kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. The time of talk is over in my life. And I pray that I become a catalyst, an inspiration, an example of someone that just wants to see God move. Just wants to see God manifest his presence. However he wants to do it. For me, I've drawn a line in the sand. That's it. Uh, I need to see God move. If God says he heals people, I want to see people healed. If God says he sets people free, I want to see people set free. If God says he delivers people and rescues people, that's what I want to see. If God says he saves people, I want to see people saved. And it's my heart, my desire, that this is the direction we're going as a church. I understand that some people may not want that. I pray that if you stick around long enough, you will. I don't want to lose people, but I've got to follow God and his mandate for us as a church above the opinion of people. See, there's no secret uh, formula to revival. But how is God going to transform us from a group of people going to church into spirit-filled, tongue-talking, world changers unless we take responsibility for our own personal, passionate spirituality? How on fire you are for God is not my fault. I've released myself from that burden. The place... The intensity of your fire for God is your own responsibility. There, I said it. How do you get on fire for God? I'm so glad you asked that one. <laughs> see, the kingdom of God is different. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm going over time, but can I have wait, five minutes time? Can, can I just see a show of hands? You're going to give me five minutes. 5, 10, 15. 
This is an old joke, but it's a good one. <laughs> kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of the world. In the world's way of thinking, if you want to get hungry, you starve. You don't eat. That way it increases a level of hunger within you. In the kingdom of God, it's different. If you want to get hungry for God, then you need to start feeding. Because when you taste, you want more. When you experience the love and the grace of God, when you experience him in the, in the word, when you're reading the word and, and you just know that God's talking to you in that moment and you know like in, in worship that he's there and you've got tears streaming down your face. You've got no clue why, but he's there. You want more. I want more. When you see people come to faith in Christ and their, their, their countenance changes, and you see people healed and, and set free who've been, had lifelong debilitating diseases and illnesses. And they walk free. I want more of that. I, I want what God has for people. I want the resurrection life. I want to experience that, that in, 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 in God. And the only way we're going to do that is to see it more. Is to want it more. Is to, to, you know, to reach out and take a hold of it. We need to start feeding on the Word of God. We need to start feeding ourselves in moments of, of when His divine glory manifests itself in our, in our midst and, and not worry about how it looks like. If I want to lift up my hands or if I want to start clapping or I want to start to prophesy some things, I want to speak in tongues or, or however God wants to do it. However, you need to respond to that as we start to do that more and more. I want to, I want to liberate us as a church into doing whatever God asks us to do. Because I believe it's like this. It starts with a trickle. You know, in, in John, I think it is. I can't remember the exact place, but where, where um, Jesus says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That starts with a trickle. That starts with a trickle. As you just start to do things day by day, as you, 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 you set yourself the, uh, the discipline of doing what God asks you to do, just... One verse a day, if that's all it needs to start, if that's how it starts. One, to read one verse a day and just wait for God to talk to you out of that verse. It might be your favorite verse, but start somewhere. It starts with a trickle. If you've never sung in church before, try it. If you've never lifted your hands in worship, try it. If you've never encouraged someone before, try it. Step out in faith. I'm going way over. Can I say, uh, uh, we all love watching those, those social media videos. I love watching them. I really do. And I, I sit there, I bawl my eyes out. Okay? I, I just love watching people get touched. I love watching testimonies of when God heals someone or sets someone free or they find God in some extraordinary, manif- you know, just huge way. I, I love hearing those sorts of things. I believe God wants to do that in us. I believe God wants to do that in us. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but I'm dissatisfied. I'm, do you understand what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. There's nothing worse than a frustrated pastor, I could tell you. I want to see it. 
God's no respecter of persons. God's no respecter of persons. What he's done for others, I believe God can do for us. But I believe we've got to want it. And my question to us is, are you really satisfied with where you are at spiritually right now? And if you're not, do something about it. Get on your knees. Start reading your Bible. Start prophesying some of this stuff over your life. Right? I've got stuff now underlined in my Bible. Like in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Like that passage we read over the, the, the offering. No eye has seen, no mind has, you know, ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love me. I can imagine pretty good. But you know what? God, he's going to reveal it to us. He says that in his words, in verse 10, but it, has, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. That's why we can have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for someone. Because God knows what they're going through. And he's going to give it to you if you have faith. Lord, God, would you give me a word of knowledge for someone? Would you give me a word of wisdom for someone? Would you give me a prophetic insight into this person's future that I can call it out over their life? Lord, I know that you can see what's happening in this person's body. Would you, Lord, allow your presence to flow through me, that your healing can come into this person and set them free? Let's stand. I'm... I'm not finished by a long shot, but, but I am finished. I want to finish with this scripture, and I don't think it's in your notes. I can't remember. I'll have a look in the notes to see if it is. Yeah, it is. I apologize this morning. There is no PowerPoint for the message. I forgot. James is going to tick me off after this, right? <laughs> Psalm 85, verses 6 to 7. Can I encourage you to find a card, a business card, this week, today, and write this scripture out in full and carry it with you? This week. This becomes your prayer. This becomes the point of your meditation. This becomes the desire of your heart this week. Psalm 85, verses 6 to 7 out of the Passion Translation says this. Revive us again, O God. 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 But are you talking about it from a point of faith? Because this is what the writer says. He says, I know you will. Give us a fresh start, he says. Then all your people will taste your joy and your gladness. Pour out even more of your love on us. Reveal more of your kindness and restore us back to you. What a great psalm. What a great verse to prophetically declare over our lives. Revive us again. Let's lift our Revive me again, Lord. Revive me again to the wonder of your presence. Where I know that I'm accepted and I'm loved. Where I know that you transform me in the moment. Lord, I pray, revive me again. Revive me again, Lord God. 
Forgive my wayward ways. Just pray. Just pray in your own words. Whatever it is that you feel God is putting on your heart this morning. God, revive me again. Help me to pursue you passionately. In whatever expression that that may look like. Would you, Lord, revive me again. And I know that you will because your word declares it. I thank you even now for quickening my heart and my spirit, for changing me on the inside, Lord God, and creating a breakthrough. Pour out even more of your love on us. Reveal more of your kindness and restore us back to you, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for your presence this morning. I don't know where people are at this morning. But the front's open if you want some prayer. If you just want to come and do some business with God. You don't need me to pray for you. You just need to come and open heart. Heavenly Father, bless your people today. Touch them, fill them. Overflow them. Revive them. Let us walk in the true picture of what salvation and resurrection life looks like remind us that we are carriers of your presence that within us are the words of life that within us is the power of the holy spirit to bring about healing and restoration and transformation to our world father in the name of jesus i pray